Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Welcome. I'm really glad, glad that you're here today. Um, and uh, those are not the scriptures. <laughs> Sorry. Um, last week... Uh, my wife and I were not working. We were, we were actually resting and reflecting um, among the mountains of the Smoky Mountain National Park. Um, and honestly, it's a wilderness that, that we often visit and uh, that our feet often travel. That has become a place where uh, she and I do rest for the for a little while and we reflect on life and and we do a lot of hiking um and as many miles as we've traveled that have of earth that have been traveled underfoot i see that life our life journey is much like that travel through the wilderness that wander through the wilderness um, and my heart today is, and hope today is that, that through this, this message, which is, is not the typical sermonic message, it's, it, it's not the typical sermon, it's more like a stream of consciousness today, okay? Because our life is kind of like that, isn't it? it? It just, our life is a river, and it just flows, and it goes, right? Um, my hope is that today as we walk through the ponderings and the wisdoms from the wandering wilderness, that, that you grasp some, some deep truth of Scripture, of who God is, and you kind of reflect a little bit about your life and who you are. And you get some hope today. So today is, is that stream of consciousness that... Um, a lot of the ponderings and wanderings that I have as I, as we walked for mile after mile after mile in God's creation. Um, so uh, our first, our first uh, two days away, um, I could feel the heaviness of weariness on my body. You ever felt that? And there was this almost unwillingness to move. And honestly, um, when, when this is the view that you have, which was only a partial view, that's Mount Leconte in the distance, the view was 180 degrees beyond. When you have that view that actually takes us hours to hike up and actually see, and this is what you, you see from the cabin, you don't want to move right? Um, you don't realize how fast you move in life until you, you, you slow down. 
And when you slow down, you don't realize how fast life moves around you, right? And so the first few nights, mornings and nights, we became very keenly aware that creation has a rhythm. See, my wife, unlike me, she woke up, rose very early uh, to witness and I the, the fading of the evening and the first rays of the fiery rising sun over the mountains that painted this canvas of morning. I only got to glimpse that one time because I, I, I wanted to sleep. Um, however, um, no matter when I woke at, at, at you know, 7, 38 o'clock, the moon seemed to be very confused as it still sat in the southwestern sky of the morning. But as the first rays of light come through over the mountains, the, the cardinals have already taken center stage to the morning and sung its tune. And at the opposite end of the day, at the evening, as the sun is walking west and we only see its backside and it also paints the sky this canvas the rhythm even becomes even more keenly aware of what's happening around us as we listened to the night as the sky fades the light fades the the eastern tohi and the Carolina Wren, they're chirping on the side stage as the robin is whistling its song. And almost without question, right around 8.30 p.m., off in the distance is this repetitious call of the whippoorwill saying its name over and over and over and over again, agnosium. And I would take out my phone and try to call the whippoorwill to us just to see if it would listen and obey. <laughs> it never came. And as the whippoorwill kind of ends its song and its call, right around 9 p.m., the haphazard bat comes recklessly appearing throughout the night, swooping down by the, by the cabin. And the dogs are beginning to bark at the sounds of their fears. One evening, the coyote, for the first time ever, we heard a coyote in the distance howl. And like a canopy, a black canopy with holes punched in it, backlit, the first lights of the sky appear. Sirius, the brightest star, right there. Then the Big Dipper, and then the Little Dipper, and Orion, Orion's belt holding it all together. And in the western sky, these heavenly bodies, Mercury, Venus, Mars, they make their appearance. And then no light from from the sun any longer. All you see is Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg in the distance. 
but the cosmic theater is right before you. And earth, with its heavenly neighbors of the Milky Way galaxy, it was very evident that creation has a rhythm. Even as you walk through the woods and the wilderness, you sense from the ground beneath your feet all the way to the tops of the trees and everything else, there's a rhythm of creation. And I couldn't help but think of rest and how Jesus himself was often challenged by the pastors of the day. They were called Pharisees in the scripture. They were the pastors of the people. They would be standing where I'm standing in the synagogue, having conversation with the community. They often pushed against Jesus and challenged him because his presence and his teaching teaching often challenged their rhythms of life and pushed against it to reset it. And in one conversation as they pushed against Jesus because his disciples were walking through a field on a Sabbath, the day of rest, and they were pulling grain off the plants and moving it within their hands and popping the grains into their mouth to to feed their stomach. They questioned him about his labor that you have six days and on the seventh day you rest. And Jesus said this to their questioning. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. You know, if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, see, silence was broken by the voice of God. It broke through. And that creative, imaginative work that God did unfolds. And as you continue to read through chapter 1, you come to the end of that moment, those moments, those creative, imaginative moments, and silence comes and takes over again. Although the rhythms of creation could be heard, God himself rested. Now, it wasn't for himself. He wasn't tired from his work. But he gave the example to all of humanity. To first Adam, then Eve, but to you and me. That rest is vital. Rest is vital for our wholeness. Rest is vital for our health. And rest is vital for our holiness. To the depth of who we are, to our core, our soul. And my wife, if she isn't the first one to throw me under the bus, I'll throw myself under the bus. I don't do this very well. You will be honest. I don't do this well. 
partially because of the day that I've chosen to be my Sabbath. It's Friday. A lot of wedding rehearsals happen on Fridays. A lot of weddings happen on Fridays. A lot of things come up on Fridays that, that are part of what I do. Things crowd in. And when I finally intentionally rest, it's kind of this awareness of how much I needed the rest. You ever have that moment? You ever have that realization? Maybe it's just me. If you were to take a, a stock, a look, over the last few weeks, pick Easter as the first day. Walk yourself through what you do and your schedule. Where was your rest? When was your rest? Where was the place of your rest? That holy be still moment. God asks us and requires of us more of our time than what we call our tithe. Tithe means 10% of our finances. Rest is actually calculated. When you do the calculation, it's 14% of your week. But Jesus said, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath, which means He's also Lord of Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. He's Lord of the week. He's Lord of the month. He's Lord of the year. It's the year of our Lord. He's the Lord of the decade, the millennium. He's the Lord of time that we are in. I'd like for you and me to just take a moment. Would you mind just closing your eyes? We're not going to pick your pocket, don't worry. Just close your eyes. Take a deep breath. I'd like for you to think about what you would look forward to on a day of rest. What that would look like for you and your family, for your kids. I'd like for you to imagine your calendar. Maybe on your phone. What is it that needs to be pulled off the calendar where you need to say no maybe to your kids and teens you're listening to what is it that you need to say no to alright you paused you can open your eyes again let's do this together let's challenge one another I'm going to give you permission, okay? I'm going to put myself on the chopping block. You can put, pin me into a corner. You say, Ambrose, when's your Sabbath this week? Or, what did you do on your Sabbath? How did you relax and rest on your Sabbath? 
Can we do this together? Can we agree that we're going to give each other permission? Now, if you're a stranger to another stranger, that really won't amount to much, but to the groups that you know very, very well, right? Can we give each other permission to say, when's your Sabbath this week? Some of you, your work schedules look really weird and wonky, like mine. It doesn't look like Sunday. It doesn't look like Friday. It doesn't look like Saturday. Maybe your Sabbath is a Monday. Can we rest together? Let's move forward and rest together. Because here's the thing. Whether you rest or not, the storms are life of life come unexpectedly, don't they? Wednesday morning, my wife and I had pulled up to the parking lot right next to the trailhead. And an unexpected, violent storm came crashing through our rest as we received word from the CEO of Winans that a colleague of my wife and a friend of ours had suddenly passed that morning at home. It was unexpected. The surgery had gone well the week before. She was recovering. We sat in that parking lot stunned and shocked that this 44-year-old woman who was in really good health was no longer here. A wife, mother of two teenagers, an amazing, amazing, amazing human being. And my wife posted a couple of these pictures following a day now, these are two different days, but following a day of, of just constant storms. Rain, 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 storms, storms, storms. And this is the end of the day and the beauty that was there. And she tagged along with these pictures that when the storms of life come through, that we often just focus on the storm, don't we? Now that day, that Wednesday, it was really hard not to focus on the violent storm that came blowing through. Um, We were still absorbing the news. And as I stood the evening that the storms came through, looking out at the mountains and the smokiness of that beauty it was very hard for me not to think of the moment that Jesus had called his disciples and said, hey, let's go to the other side of the lake. And so they left the crowd. It says leaving the crowd behind. They they took him, took Jesus along. Just as he was, he was in the boat. And just so that we're aware that this wasn't just the disciples, there were other witnesses of this moment. It said there was also other boats with him. A furious squall, a violent wind came up and the waves broke over the boat. It was nearly swamped. So the violent wind, the Sea of Galilee 
is just kind of in this valley. Mount Hermon's off in the north in the distance and the Dead Sea's in the very south and um, Jerusalem's in the south. Judean wilderness is in the south. So this is kind of like a bowl where the winds just can, can kick up at any moment. Happens to this day. And so everything on the Sea of Galilee, which is no, is just a little bit bigger than Grand Lake St. Mary's. So if you have no concept of the Sea of Galilee, it, it, it looks like Grand Lake St. Mary's just a little bit bigger. Everything is enveloped on this sea, including the boats and the people. Then Mark lets us know that Jesus was in the stern. Sleeping. On a cushion. Just so you know, Jesus was living the high life on a cushion, right? He liked a little comfort every now and then. And then the story turns. He was, awoke, awo- he was awoken by accusations from his disciples. They said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? If I were Jesus, I was like, no, I'm asleep. Let me sleep. They're accusing him of his lack of compassion and his care. Doesn't that happen with us sometimes when the violent storms of life blow up in our world suddenly? God, where are you? What are you doing? Don't you care about me? I think the list can go on and on and on and on and on. Jesus gets up. He rebukes the wind. with a force that's much fiercer than the wind. The breath of his lungs speaks to the wind. And he speaks to the waves. Kind of like that, that moment of creation. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning. And the silence was broken by the voice of God. And all of creation in that moment became still quiet the wind died down and everything was calm I can't tell you that I've processed the violent storm of our life it still doesn't make sense to me will it ever make sense I don't know there are probably storms in your life that you will never make sense of But back to the picture. Back to the story. A few things that I do know, regardless of the storm that blows up in your life. As much as you are in the storm, so is Jesus. As much as I am in the storm, so is God. So is God. We sing Emmanuel 
God with us at Christmas. But Emmanuel, God with us, isn't just for Christmas. Son of, the, Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, even of the Sabbath. He's Lord of the day, whatever day it is. Therefore, He's still Lord with me as I'm walking through whatever storm it is with my doubts, with my questions, with the mysteries that I will, that I will never possibly unwrap and I can ever wrap my mind around, God is still with me. And this picture is beautiful. This scene is gorgeous. Who knows what beauty happens as a result of the violent storms of life. That can happen in the hands of God. I can tell you this. Our friend loved Jesus. She was a light. And she made that light known to the darkness. So I rest in the fact that she is with Jesus Faith is, well, it's fact now. It's sight. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. She's with him. Still difficult, right? Still difficult. Hiking. Uh, up Jake's Gap. Didn't come to a view. All we saw was a gap, kind of like the gap in Mike Tyson's teeth. It's, it's kind of what it was. But the hike up to Jake's Gap afforded us some really beautiful moments where the ridge line was just absolutely dotted with purple and white flowers. The white flowers were so immense in number that it seemed like the ridgeline was covered in snow. And once we finally got through uh, into the, the flowers and the path took us along the line, you could hear this incessant, constant hum and buzz of the bees. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bees doing their bee thing, that pollinating thing that they do. Up on the top of the ridgeline, we just kind of chilled out for a good 20 minutes and then as we were making our way down there came this loud repetitious non-superstitious knocking on wood high pitch and just about 10 to 15 seconds later a low pitch loud repetitious, non-superstitious knocking on wood. It was evident that there were two woodpeckers having at it on the wood, trying to grab their daily grub, some type of grub or wood-boring insect. Again and again and again, low pitch, high pitch, low pitch, high pitch, low pitch, high pitch. 
They were living paycheck to paycheck. Seeking out the payoff, right? And I couldn't help but think. These woodpeckers have no understanding of their significance in the ecosystem in which they are in. They have none. Nor do the bees who are buzzing and pollinating understand how, a, how essential they are to the world economy and our livelihood. None of them. The squirrel that's... The birds that are swooping down, they have no sense of understanding of their significance in the ecosystem of the Great Smoky National Park. Nor do they have any understanding of how that ecosystem impacts all the other ecosystems in its neighborhood or the world. The only species in all the world, whether they are predator or prey, whether they are worker or queen, whether they have a a collective unconscious of where the watering hole is and how to get there, whether they are echolocating their insect, their food, the only species in all of the world that understands or at least can question their significance and their meaning in this entire cosmos is the human being. You. Me. The only one that can question their creator who even doubts his existence or even his significance or his personability in our life is the human being. You. Me. We live a lifespan wondering whether or not our life was wasted or significance, significant or had any meaning or purpose whatsoever. The animal kingdom, for the most part, is seeking to survive. And that their line continues. We're different. You're different. You were different than your dog. You were different than your cat. I'm sorry, babe. We just are. (laughs) However personified they may be, We're different in the order of life. You ever wonder if your life has meaning and significance? You ever wonder even if your work makes impact? Kind of like the woodpecker living paycheck to paycheck? Does my work have any meaning and significance? Does my life? Sat at a table with a a friend of mine 
down there. He was the youth pastor that I worked under as a part-time junior high youth director years ago. And we were kind of walking through old stories, right? Uh, We visit with him and his wife often when we get down there. And he was recalling one one of our students who had been in the youth group, like you guys over there. There they are. Who was called into ministry who's now farming. He's out of the ministry. He's farming just south of Xenia. One of the things that he's questioned was whether my ministry had any impact. He's still a young guy. He's in his 30s. Did my ministry, did my life, did my work have any impact? Did my life have any significance and make any difference in anybody's life? You ever wonder that about your life? We must understand that we are different than all of the rest of creation. That God, the gardener who planted the trees in the garden, the Lord God who owns everything in all the world and everything that is in it. He made us different. And that the only way to find our meaning and significance in our world, however vast it is or however small we think it is, is by the one who created our soul who knows you better than anyone else knows you. God not only gives us our breath, our soul, Christ not only provides us forgiveness of sin, eternal life, but he gives us a meaning and a mission that is way different than the world's. Paul even said, hmm, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, the eternal power and divine nature have clearly, have been clearly seen and being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. It's very evident that science and faith are intertwined. But science can only answer the how, the what, the when, maybe even the where. But it can never answer the why. It can never answer the why. It can never answer the meaning and the significance of your life. You are more than cells. You are a soul. The meaning of your soul comes from the one who made your soul. And however much we can learn about God's invisible qualities from from nature, from his creation, we must understand that creation is also a reflection of the human condition. What was yesterday? Earth Day. You would not have got that answer correct on Jeopardy. Nobody buzzed in. Yesterday was Earth Day, right? Why do we have an Earth Day? 
Anybody know why we have Earth Day? Because it's slowly moving in the direction of destruction, isn't it? Earth Day happened, the first Earth Day was back in the 60s, mid to late 60s. Pollution was rampant, especially in L.A., and out of all of this came Earth Day. We've got to save our world. We've got to save our Earth. Earth is a reflection of the human condition because where we are today are the choices of every human being throughout time and how its impact on creation. And when you look at the headlines, whatever headline you look at, I often hear, what's wrong with this world? You ever ask that question? What's wrong with this world? And I want to apologize to those that have been on the receiving end of this phrase. Because often what happens when we ask this question, we point the finger to a poster child in the media of a particular sin of the day, week, or month. And what we often say is, love the sinner, hate the sin. It's a commentary. It's a commentary on one individual or one issue that everyone thinks this is what's wrong with the world. G.K. Chesterton tried to answer this question, what's wrong with the world? After much thought, he came up with, with this wise and profound statement. I'm what's wrong with the world. That statement stuck to my soul as we were wandering through the wilderness day after day after day. Me. Tyler Stanton clarified that the world will never get better unless I deal with myself. Very rarely will the church or church folk ever turn that statement, love the sin or hate the sin, back on themselves and look internally to look at what sin we need to hate within ourselves. I'm stepping on toes, aren't I? Because I'm preaching to myself too. We love no matter the difference, right? Love no matter the difference. But here's the thing. When we talk about love no matter the difference, love is never indifferent God's love is never indifferent we love no matter the difference but God's love is never indifferent it's, it never placates 
It never pacifies. It never condones. When we ask the question, what's wrong with the world, we must first ask and make the statement, I am what's wrong with the world. Before we point the plank within our own eye, the tree within our own eye, the trunk within our own eye, the sawdust that is there, we must first deal with it. And today, I'm asking that we deal with it. I'm asking that you deal with it and I deal with it. Love no matter the difference, but love is never indifferent. Love is never indifferent. Jesus Christ's death moves us into a direction. It doesn't allow us to stay where we are, to be who we are when we first came to God. But then Paul says, hey, don't repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. And then he says, if possible. If possible. As far as it depends on you and me, be at peace with one another. But here's the thing with love. Grace, the root of grace is love. And we can't get to love until we speak truth. We can't get to love until we speak truth. But Paul says, speak truth in love. And Peter even says, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't forget. Be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. And when you do it, do it with gentleness and respect. Love no matter the difference. Because God's love is never indifferent. It will move people. His love will move people. Christ's love will move people. His sacrifice will move people. Whether to him or away from him, Christ is always in the middle. So, like I said, this is a stream of consciousness, right? Coming to an end right here. This is that trail that Amy and I walked that Wednesday morning after we heard the news of the loss of our friend. Back in 2016, if you can recall what happened in Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge, it went up in flames. This was one of the areas that was impacted by the fire. That was seven years ago. You can still see the scorches on trees, on their trunks going all the way up. But if you begin to look around, you can also see the growth, the new life that's happening all around you because of fire. I don't know what fire you're walking through today. I don't know what storm is blowing in your life. You may not see it now because we're focused so on the storm. But in God's hand, beauty can come out of the storm. Hope is there. 
because of who God is. We sang it earlier. The goodness of God. God is good. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sin. Because we are what's wrong with the world. I am what's wrong with the world. The human condition, the heart. But I want to tell you there's hope. Because out of that death comes resurrection. The empty grave. New life. Regeneration. Grace and mercy. Because Jesus himself is the truth. And the life. And the resurrection. He is the way. He is the way. If you don't know him today... Here's your chance. Here's your opportunity. Make this your moment. Your whole forest might be burnt out, but I can tell you right now, with Christ, there's hope. There's hope. There's meaning. There's significance. There's purpose. There's mission. There's rest for your soul. Jesus, we pause. For those of us here just pray and ask you that you move as you've already been moving if you're here today and something hits your heart and you've been walking this journey you've been walking through this wilderness of life without the Lord in your life I ask that today you choose him This is that moment that you can cross the line of faith and you can give him your life. If that's what you desire right now, will you just pray along with me? It's nothing magical, but it's sincere. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you the life that you gave me. I give it back to you so that I may have your life. Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you are Lord, that you are who you say you are. Jesus, I give you my life. Enter in the burnout areas. Enter in the storm, God. If that's you, while we're all praying and our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if that was you and you prayed that for the first time with sincerity in your life, would you please make eye contact with me? Jesus, I thank you that we can see you. Just look around and we listen.
We can hear you. We look around and we listen. Lord, may the rhythms of our life be more aligned with your rhythm. What you've instilled for us to be, to live. And Lord Jesus, may we be a people who love people to you. And let your love make the difference. Because your love does make the difference. As we are people who love no matter the difference. Holy Spirit, grant us your favor. Grant us your peace. And help us rest in you. It is in your name, Jesus, that we ask these things today. Amen. Would you please stand? Um, in two weeks, we're going we're gonna to have a conversation about work, wealth, and worth. Try to separate the confusion of them all. And uh, what Scripture teaches about our work and our life. And next week, man, I invite you back. Next week's We Sunday. It is a, if you haven't, if you haven't stepped into a We Sunday, it's actually kind of fun. Yes, there will be a sermon in the sack. This is a Sunday where all the kids and all of us are right here. And we celebrate together, we worship together, we learn together, and we have a lot of fun together. So uh, I invite you back. And I invite you to invite someone else to come along with you. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind. Will you please love your neighbor as yourself? Have a wonderful Sunday. Enjoy the beauty of Sabbath. Thank you for listening to the Wapaknaz podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future He has for you, and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.